This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you uh, for that um, welcoming invitation and for um, reading and introducing me. Thank you, Abbott. And thank you to all the senior teachers and Tonto and Eno and all those who work very hard to keep this temple going, whether there's 100 people or 20, still that do the work. So that's what I love about it, because there is a baseline of work to be done. So um, I thought I'd start out um, with a poem and then a, a little bit of talking, and then uh, I'd like to engage, you know, with you and um, see what you have to say, what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and um, how we might uh, together uh, bring forth and express uh, this talk of those words. Okay. So. I have this poem I've been reading. This is the third time I'm going to read it. And every time I read it, I wonder what it means. I wrote it. <laughs> but I wonder what it means. I still wonder what it means. It's called What We Intended. What We Intended. Um, the first title was No Hate. So changed it to What We Intended. What We Intended was love. Without any direction, we still intended to love ourselves, to love those who hate, if only to test love. We tended to the effort, not knowing love. If what we intended was love, and it turned out to be some kind of mistake, we tried again, despite ending up still on the other side, shouting, you don't understand. It's not that I hate you. I intended to love you without knowing how to. What we intended was a love fest that ended up a protest, a rally of love since love could not be felt in silence or through the disappointment at you, not knowing, not caring that what was intended was love. We could go on babbling to recover the language of love, to recover our breathing, to recover sanity, to rescue love, all this intending to what we intended, which was to love the enemy so that the enemy would know how it felt to be loved. Had we not tried to love in such a way, deep in the lie that there was a bit of hate in such love, there would be nothing left of us and what we intended would be lost forever. 
I always tell people how much I love this practice, how much I love Zen and how joyful it makes me, you know, and, um, you know, it's a personal joy, but I think it was transmitted by uh, my late teacher, Zenke Blanchardman. And I really am an expression of her joy of the practice and how I learned to watch her just rushing down to uh, sit Zazen, how excited she was every morning, even when she barely could get there and then barely get back <laughs> to her room and um, how ceremonies would happen and she would be running down the stairs for the ceremony, running to greet all the new people, no matter who they were, always pulling out the person who was quiet in the corner. She would pull them out to talk to them and introduce themselves. And when my sister came to my ordination, there was Blanche talking in her ear. And I was like, what is going on over there? It was a surprise to me, but my sister was smiling and laughing and she's not the type. So, <laughs> and she was in, and she was in a very strange place. So that, that just like gives you an idea of what Blanche can do, <laughs> what she could do when she was uh, here. So I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question before I continue. Um, and we're going to hold that question and it'd be, it, you don't have to answer it, but I think it's always good to have an inquiry of, of what you're doing, what your actions are, you know, what's the motivation behind what you do. And so I wasn't seeking love in the practice, uh, seeking love or seeking joy in the practice, but exploring and to look at what is this life and why uh, there is so much suffering, uh, so much chaos in my own life and collectively in the world. And that's always been my question ever since I was four years old. So it hasn't changed. And I keep writing book after book after book, <laughs> trying to figure it out, really. Uh, you know, it's my writing's an inquiry, you know. And so I was wondering if we could all just hold that uh, this evening um, is do you trust what your actions, do you trust uh, this practice to be effective, to impact the larger society, to impact your life, your family, your community, and do you trust it? And then if not, it's okay. <laughs> you know, where are you in it? And, and what brings you here? What keeps you here? And, um, what was your yes when you came into the door and what is your yes now? So that's just various ways of the same question, just in case the first one was, didn't make sense. So today I'm here um, in San Francisco. I live in New Mexico now. And um, I actually forgot to let Simbola know I'm online, but I guess you'll have to hear the recording. Um, uh, I ask you to uh, place in Wallace Schultz's name, um, if it has been done already, on your well-being uh, list and chant uh, the inmate Juku Kananyo for her. Uh, and she's um, gravely ill, and but yet she just keeps going. She's a trooper. She's a real trooper. I'm learning a lot um, being with her. And we're both in New Mexico. We live in two different casitas right now, but it's been quite a journey. And uh, my practice is coming through all the time, every day, just witnessing 
and it's not my first time witnessing um, someone very ill, but uh, this one feels really different and I really can't talk about the details quite yet because it's so present, you know, and my heart's so full to go there with I just might as well wrap it up and go to my room. So I am really going to hold that for the time when it's supposed to come. And maybe it's tonight, maybe it's not. Anyway, um, I'm here for a sewing sashin. Uh, we were invited, uh, still breathing Zen Sangha, um, that has been going on in various phases uh, over the years. Some of you were at the grand opening. Uh, that was when we had a center on MacArthur. And so it's gone through many phases, but it's still there. It's still strong. It's We're still doing uh, Zen ceremonies and chanting and bowing and, and doing all the things that uh, in, in, any Zen center would do. Um, so the sashin uh, was a gift, it, a definitely a gift to us. Um, the plan is to ordain uh, five people in the still breathing Zen Sangha. And that's a lot of people all at once. But I said, in some countries, they ordain 3,000 all at, all at once. <laughs> Not that I would do that. Because <laughs> our ceremonies are so unique, so different. And even five is quite a bit but I'm very excited about it. And um, the ordination, both Zaikake, uh, uh, Zaike is that how you say the lay um, Tukudo, and then Shuke Tukudo priest uh, ordination are to me the reasons why I wear a brown robe why I accepted Dharma transmission. It took me a while to know why, because I tried to disrobe right away. But when I did my first Jukai, I realized the, the reason and the, the motivation was much larger than myself. I, I am glad to be able to stand at the gateway of liberation and transformation and healing. I love standing at that gateway and being there for those who are willing to step through and do the hard work. And um, there are quite a few of us, right, that are willing to do that. And so I'm really happy to be able to do that for uh, five people uh, soon. Now, the sashin are something I really love. Sashin, se touching and shin, touching the heart, touching the heart mind. Um, I would just like long for them. I still long for them. Uh, and so I'm really glad to uh, be able to slow down, turn in, find the original stillness of being a human being and the reverence of being a human being and to um, cultivate it in, by breath, you know, day after day. And we're doing stitch after stitch in this sewing sashin. Um, sashin also means to, to come home, you know, to come home. And, uh, you know, coming home to oneself. So coming back to city center, my home temple, is really uh, wonderful. And to come to a sashin, which is to come home within myself, is a wonderful and exciting moment for me right now. And so when I say come home, um, I'm wondering what comes to your mind, you know, uh, for you, you know, when 
I say to come home, to come home to what, where, why, and what does that look like? What does that look like? If it, and if it's not there, why not? You know, or not even why not? What is it that uh, you may be seeking more so? What, what you may be seeking in home, what you have lost maybe along the way around home. So um, that's another question to hold. So now we have to have one to at least two or three to engage. So one was, you know, do you trust this practice? Can you um, come home when the world pulls you here, there, here, and there? And we're being pulled like crazy, you know, if we are not rooted, but there are huge, huge uh, opportunities of distraction right now, but there are also opportunities of life. So they're not just distractions or disruptions. Something is calling us. Something is calling all of us. And we've been being called for many, many centuries. And um, to wake up to that call for me has been to do this practice. It has enabled me to stay alive, just basically stay alive so that I could be here enable me to sit before you. And even if I tremble, I still can speak to you because uh, speaking is not my favorite thing. I pre you know, prefer writing as you can tell. And, uh, and I often tell people just read the book, but that doesn't work. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you only can get so much out of a piece of paper. Anyway. The sashin to me is that practice of serenity. You know? And in my practice of serenity, I'm able to uh, address what is happening in the world, my world, my inner world, and the world around me. So oftentimes, if I, I'm, well, oftentimes I am very distressed about what's going on anger and rage, um, dumbfounded mostly these days and stunned um, by some of the things that are going on. And I think in that, in some way, that's a good thing because I haven't been stunned. You know, it's like I'm coming into some true place of soberness <laughs> of, uh, that I know it's there, but really looking at it all the time. Um, you know, we're, the Roe versus Wade, uh, uh, Brittany Griner being given nine years. I mean, we can just keep going. There's, there's, there's just a list all the time, right? Of things going on. Can you trust that this practice uh, has something to do with what's going on? And, and by doing the practice, because often what I find is um, we move away from what uh, the medicine we gather. We have these big baskets of medicine. Some of us have more than Zen in that basket. And so we got our little baskets, but when the things come, we're like, we put the basket down and off we go somewhere <laughs> in the medicine basket you've been collecting for 20 years is sitting there. And so um, can we 
trust that the person, the human being, the, uh, our existence can be used for liberation, transformation, and healing. And in that way, we're all at the gateway. You don't have to have a brown rope to be at the gateway. We're all at the gateway in that way for those who want to come in, those who want to engage uh, in a different way. And I'm not necessarily promoting religion or spirituality either, because some, we, we have to look at these things too all the time. And we have to always ask the question, are we addressing uh, life and engaging in life? We have to constantly ask questions about the path we're walking on. Where am I? Why am I here? And uh, where am I going? You know, just always asking. I'm all, as much as I said I enjoy Zen. I'm always asking the question: What is it that you are doing, Zenju Earthly Manual? And um, there's hardly ever an answer. <laughs> hardly ever an answer. And that's good. That's good. And um, the inquiry is good. And I do feel that my being, my uh, wanting to walk a path, doesn't have to be Zen, I think, you know, I fell into Zen, fell into Buddhism, started with Nishren for 15 years, and now Zen 20 more, and I still need 20 more. <laughs> so the, just, just to walk in that way and to walk with others, who are willing, a lot of bodhisattvas are here right now and a lot of bodhisattvas are out there. You know, they're everywhere. And I wanna be with the bodhisattvas, those who um, are looking to ease suffering, not only for oneself, but for the world and for everyone. And, but having a clear understanding of how we're doing that, what, what are we intending? in all that we do, what are we intending, you know? And is just, is that just enough? Is that just enough? I think it's important uh, on one's path. Uh, I remember I used to visit this woman. She um, is now passed. And um, I don't know what why this happens in my life, but a lot of people come to me who are mediums or seers, like they could see and they're, you know, psychic. It just happens for me. So this woman I have been seeing for 20 years. And when I got back from uh, uh, Tassajara, she had died. But before I went to, I didn't even know she was sick. But before I went to Tassajara, um, I told her I was going to this place, you know, trying to describe it. And, and she said, that is so wonderful that you are willing to take time out of your life to go and thank God for your life. And I was like, well, okay, there's no God there, but okay. Yeah, and it was like, did, did I say something wrong? <laughs> but then I, I, I accepted it. And it is that, is to go and, and God is love, to go and be uh, just 
still in gratitude, be still in chaos, be still in um, trying to understand, to be still breathing, to just be still and to close the world out for that moment so that not to stay there, but so that whatever wisdom that is coming up in me, that it could be shared rather than wisdom imposed or knowledge imposed or someone else's whatever imposed upon me, uh, which has been, you know, a way of life, right? Parents, you know, your community maybe, um, me being of, of uh, this particular race, a lot of things get imposed upon everyone. And so it's hard to find ourselves in there. Where are you? Where are you and what you think and what you say and what you tell people? Where are you? And why do you say what you say and do what you do? You know, that's what's in practice. Those are the questions in practice has brought to me. And um, so when wisdom comes through, you know, for me in the stillness, in the sashin, in the said touching shin, my heart, and going home, you know, there's a lot of revelation and realization in it. And when I came in to Buddhism, I, I would well read so I could probably talk about everything but and I did but <laughs> when uh at this juncture on the path because I'm not at the end of anything at this juncture on the path I can hear myself I can hear Dogen right now even though I'm not talking about Dogen you know I can understand I can feel that the teachings that has sunk into me. And then I can speak it without speaking about Dogen Zenji. And for those who are with us, uh, Dogen Zenji and don't know him, he was founder of Soto Zen, which is the lineage we are practicing here at San Francisco Zen Center and many places all over the country and world. So I think that that kind of seamless uh, life between uh, the teachings and one's own wisdom is important. And for that to come forth takes a great amount of stillness and a great amount of listening and a great amount of questioning your own certainty. I know you know about that, you know, with um, Suzuki Roshi's book of uh, Beginner's Mind. Beginner's Mind. He always talks about the experts. How many experts in the room? Tells all about Zen. Yeah. Hope not. So I I really practice, try to practice beginner's mind and ask the questions. And I play around with the words, right? Because I write the book. But um, that's what I'm doing, playing around, exploring, sharing, stimulating. You know, I want to germinate a dialogue in which all paradigms cross, all religion, all spirituality, because we're now at that time, the separate, separate way of Christianity or Buddhism or Islam that we know is not separate, but to really come together and to integrate 
now we're at the place of integration and can we? But well, how do I know we're at the place of integration? Because everything's so separate. The way we talk and speak is so polarized. And that polarization to me in this world is getting us to uh, look at where, what places might we come together as living beings, you know, to, to see. There's a fight in every movement today. There's doubt, there's fear, rage, and anger. So I want I do want to engage, and I don't know, I didn't I never bring a watch because I don't wear one and I don't really look at the time too much. I'll kind of watch the sun and the moon <laughs> these days. Huh? Must be five. Huh? Okay, good. This is a good time to break. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered at no cost, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.